Andy Jenkins. I am back on the back porch on the deck, uh, still booted out of the office. Uh, you know, booted is such a harsh word because we have uh, great space. We just share it. And so if Beth is on the phone or she's designing stuff or putting together, you know, any of the other project work that's going on here, uh, it means that if I am in the office, uh, you know, recording, talking into the air to a microphone, it just kind of messes up the mojo in the room when somebody else is trying to do something, you know? Uh, so, hey, no problem. It's a great day. I'm going to not stop in the living room. I'm going to bypass that, set up the microphone, go to the back deck. Uh, typically, I look out one window at the house, kind of where our office is. We, we knocked out uh, this hole in the wall several years ago. I'm going to tell you about that. Uh, got a great view, um, but I've got really a great, even better view off off the back deck, kind of looking in the opposite direction. Okay, let me, let me tell you about that hole in the wall. Uh, right now, Beth is at the computer doing a little bit of work right there. If not, down at the shipping station, firing out some of the books and orders that come through there. When you order something on our website, it literally comes through uh, our computer software here and then we've got a shipping station down in the garage. It's kind of the pseudo basement of our house. Uh, I turned half the garage there into uh, really kind of a workspace. Beth set up a shipping station there. And then the other half of the garage is really kind of the workout gym with some weights and some equipment and other things uh, that we can do here. Um, so if she's not there, she's upstairs. Her computer is on one end of the room, mine is on the other. It's got this long desk between it with this butcher block that extends the whole length of the room, uh, width of the room rather, and on that wall, the whole width of that wall is this huge series of windows. Now when I moved into the house, that window, wall of windows, was not there. It was just a solid wall. There was in another corner of the room, a window that was, let's just say, maybe 30 inches wide by 60 inches tall with plantation blinds. So it could raise them and let some light in, but really thinking in terms of having an office, I just wanted more natural light. You know, you're on Zoom, you want more natural light. You're sitting in the office all day, you wanna be see out, more natural light. So. What I did is, anticipation of setting up as my office, uh, one day I went and bought a bunch of windows. I got them from the Habitat for Humanity store and was gonna use them on the tiny house and then opted to go in another direction there and saved those windows. They were maybe 10 bucks each. Uh, saved them. And so one day I took those windows out of the storage building that we have. I laid them on the floor. Uh, the uh, driveway rather just below the office now our office it's on the second floor so it's you know 10 12 feet above the driveway I set those windows out there and I began painting them I painted the outside color of the windows and then knowing what size the trim was going to be because I, I kind of drew them all out I went ahead and painted the outside color of the trim. 
Now that afternoon, it was a Sunday afternoon. I remember uh, Beth had to take off to go to Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, somebody in the family friend network somewhere was getting married. I don't remember who it was, but she went to Jackson, Mississippi. And she kind of saw me doing this project uh, most of the afternoon. But, you know, I don't think she was ready for the full scope of what was about to happen. When she took off, um, I took all of the windows and everything that I'd painted that had now dried, I carried it all upstairs. I moved all the furniture out of that room. At the time, it was one of the girls' bedrooms. Uh, she was about to move into the tiny house. Moved all of the furniture out of that room, and I began cutting the wall. So I went through the sheetrock, and then I went through the studs. Uh, an electrical cord was there that I was not aware of uh, that was just kind of moving in an odd direction. It should not have been there, but makes sense why it was. So I had, had to move that cut through the studs, cut through the exterior, and expose the house to the elements. Now, it's about 7 or 8 o'clock at night. It's, you know, in the summer, just then starting to get dusky. And uh, I snapped a picture, didn't send it yet. I framed back for the windows, already had the wood set aside, framed back what I needed for the windows, um, proceeded to move outside of the house put the window stoppers from reaching inside to the out so never used a ladder to do this second floor project reached out put all the trim in put the windows against the stops put the inside stops trimmed the inside caulked it and then sent her a series of hole in the wall picture framed wall picture Windows going in, picture final snap, picture complete, come back the next day, paint. So that's, uh, that's where our office is, and that's what we normally do, but uh, today she's in there doing some stuff. I just saw her walk out to take some stuff to the mailbox, so if you just ordered a book, it's probably on the way, and I'm on the back deck doing the podcast. Today, I want to continue picking up where I left off in the previous episode. I was talking about the idea of walking into the light. Maybe there's our tie-in from the window, the light. Uh, so often, we're afraid of the light. We feel like there's shame in the light. We feel like there is judgment in the light, belittlement in the light. And I, I'll be honest with you. To some degree, there is, but there's more judgment, there's more shame, there's louder voices in your head in the dark, and plus all of the grace and freedom and cleansing and empowerment and connection, so much more of it that you need is in what seems to be that scary place of the light. We discussed that in the previous episode. I want to continue building on it. Here is one of the main ideas, and this may be the only one we get today. I've, I've got a lot of notes here for you, but this may be where we land it. By the way, I talk about this more in video number three of the Soul Wholeness Workshop. I'll put a link to Soul 
wholeness, where you can learn more about that video course in the show notes below. Here's the main idea. Life is beautiful and life is hard, and you've got to be willing to embrace both. Life is beautiful, it's good, it's also sometimes difficult, and you've got to realize that there are both coming. Here's what happens if you don't. Uh, inevitably, we'll create a false skill, and we'll create this perception that, uh, imagine, if you will, maybe just a scale of one to 10. And so on the left side of the line is just one, or, or you could even say zero. And on the far right side of the line is 10, and there's just all these increments, each going up one at a time. A scale of, we just shifted it, zero, to 10. Now on the far left side, zero. Imperfect, completely imperfect, completely just jacked up, messed up, couldn't, couldn't get any worse. Here's what you and I tend to do. I, I know that historically, oh, I've done this so much, is when it involves personal reality. On that far left side, we have at zero, imperfect, and on the far right at 10, we have valuable, completely valuable. So if it's a zero, it's totally imperfect. If it's a 10, it's valuable. Any shift on that line towards the zero is a shift towards imperfect and a shift away, a move away from valuable. Any shift to the right, up the line, as it gets closer to less imperfect, is more valuable. So here's what we do, is when things become imperfect, tainted, messed up, jacked up, we tend to hide them because we feel unworthy. We feel less valuable when things are not going right. Here's one of the biggest issues with that. Number one is nothing in life is ever exactly perfect. I mean, you know, there are these days and these moments when, you know, I can think of a few of them when I'm just sitting around with friends sometimes and you just go, oh, this, sitting right here, hanging out at this time, this place, is a perfect moment. Yeah, we have those. But for the most part, yeah, most days there's some good and there's some bad. There's some beautiful and, you know, there's some outright chaos. So that, that, that's reality is most of life is a tangly mix of both. And second of all, this is the bigger one, is imperfect and valuable are not actual opposites. So the opposite of imperfect is perfect. The opposite of valuable is not imperfect. The opposite of valuable is invaluable. Or to say it another way, worthless. So here, here's what I'm saying. You, you can be completely up the scale on valuable and affirm your worth because the creator of the universe has masterfully crafted you and forms you when you were in your mother's womb. 
He has called you and set you aside from before you were born. He has ordained the days and seasons of your life and even outlined the times and places where you would live. He has foreordained by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, great works that you would walk in. You are infinitely valuable as an image bearer of God. You're not ever going to be invaluable or worthless. At the same time, you can affirm your innate inherent value and affirm that at the same time in life, things are not always. In fact, they're rarely perfect. So you, you could just say, hey, we, we really don't have one scale going on where on one end of the scale is valuable and another end of the scale is imperfect. And as things in life get more chaotic, as things in life get more imperfect, as things in life get uh, badder, is that a right, right word? Badder? Worse-er? Uh, bad? Worse? As things shift in that direction and sometimes, remember, because life is beautiful and life is also hard, chaotic, difficult, and bad things happen. Uh, when they do, and life tends to peg in that direction, it's not pulling away from your value. It's another parallel skill. You can be valuable and live a life that absolutely matters and at the same time affirm that, ah, you know what? Things this side of heaven aren't and probably are never going to be exactly as they should be. Um, sometimes they're going to they're going to hit. Uh, we see glimpses of the kingdom breaking through. Uh, we see beauty and creativity and awesomeness shining through. We see the light and we see healing and we see hope and glory and bounty and abundance. And uh, this isn't a gloom and doom talk at all. This is just kind of a reality check. And it's more of a reality check of not things aren't perfect so much as the reality check is even when things aren't perfect, you're still valuable. And that is an issue that you must settle in your soul. Uh, it, it's really an identity issue. And if you don't settle in your heart that identity that, hey, I am valuable, then what you will do is exactly what I've done before in my past. You will seek to shore up through external means and provide for backfill that deficit, the deficiency that you think is there. It's not there, but you perceive it to be there of your lack of value. And anything in life that happens that shifts towards imperfect, it will affirm that you're not who you need to be. And all along, what I'm saying is you are uh, a unique, unrepeatable, fully complete, whole miracle of your creator, of your redeemer, of your sustainer. I think a lot of what we see in hustle culture lately, uh, over the last couple years, is this move, this tendency, this striving and chasing uh, 
because people haven't settled it that finances aren't what you want them to be you're still valuable health isn't what you want it to be you're still important uh, situations relationships aren't what you thought they might turn into or maybe they're still in process you're still worthy and in fact I sometimes say it like this is one thing you got to settle is where you are isn't who you are where you are maybe an imperfect place where you are is not your identity your identity valuable where you are it might be imperfect where you are isn't who you are at the same time we also have to affirm where we are isn't where we have to remain it, it is where we have to begin but it's not who we are or where we must stay again sink it in your soul that the opposite of valuable is not imperfect um, you're settled there at valuable life situations can be imperfect so uh, you know in my life I just assumed that when I faced a hard situation and awkward situation, a difficult situation, a seemingly impossible situation, whether it was my fault or not. Now, certainly when it was my fault, I'm like, oh goodness, I created this. I made this happen. Um, got on the wrong scale. And it created difficulty in my soul. Um, but it's something that you don't have to struggle with. Let me give you another skill. And I think this one's really important. I learned this one a couple years ago. I took a psychological evaluation back in 2018. At that point in life, I had so much, oh, just debris going on. You know, you talk about walking through a minefield in perfect situations. Uh, and for a long time during that season, 2017, 18, I, I struggled um, with that skill that I just explained to you. I finally got it settled in my soul. In fact, that's where that language really came from. And I, and I took a psychological evaluation. At that point, I was struggling with some things. I'd been seeing a counselor and was trying to reconcile a relationship. And part of the reconciliation process with that person uh, was that she suggested I take a psychological evaluation. And so I, I thought, well, um, I, this relationship's important to me. And so I will walk on glass and jump through fire and eat a blue jean jacket if required in order to reconcile the relationship. And I, I went to take the psychological evaluation. Now, at that point, I was nervous about what they might find. Again, I thought I'd settled the valuable equation, always valuable, even if life situations are imperfect, right? But something about the finality of going and taking a test that could label you, again, you could be diagnosed, uh, something of that nature, and, and be diagnosed in the midst of a contentious situation is what I was in it really makes you do kind of a gut check I was talking to my dad about it and he said well 
if I were you, I would go take it. Here's why. Uh, a couple reasons. Number number one is if you don't take it, you're always going to want to know uh, if that relationship is not resolved, reconciled. You're going to want to know, is there something else that I held back? Is there some hoop that I refused to jump through that might have made the difference had I chosen to go with what was suggested? And so his thought was, you know what? Don't leave anything on the table. Just go all in. That was good advice. Because looking back, even though that relationship was not restored, I can look in the rearview mirror and say, I sincerely, honestly, fully did everything possible as far as my end. The second thing was this. He said, you know, they might find something. Now, now he was honest and said, I don't think they will. Uh, but wh- what are you going to do if they do find something? I, and I told him, I said, well, if, if they do, I'll get treatment. I'll get help. I'll seek healing. And he said, that's exactly right. So it's not the labeling that creates the struggle that you have. The struggle is there whether they diagnose it or not. So the, the label's just the label. The label's not the thing. If you already have the thing, why would you not want the label? So you can go, oh, this is it. Now I know what I'm dealing with. Now I can get healing and help. And I thought that perspective makes all the sense in the world. People are so often like, well, don't label me or don't put me in a box. He goes, no, if, if the box already exists, or if it's already there, it's like the Shakespeare quote, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, right? Uh, uh, an issue, <laughs> whether you label it or not, or whether you call it something else or sweep under the carpet is still the same issue. At least by labeling it, you know what to do. And so I went in for the psychological evaluation. Uh, the, the end of the story on that is the... Uh, doctor whom I met with, his his name is Jeff, uh, turned out to be one of the most gracious, uh, sincere, uh, spiritually deep and intellectually stout and professionally solid men uh, in that field, in any field, that, that, that I've ever met. And Years later, I was able to interact with him in some other situations, and he was still the same guy, a profound gentleman that truly knows, recognizes, hears the voice of God. Now, in the midst of meeting with him, he told me this. He said, uh, sliding scale, emotional health is not a yes-no proposition. It's not a zero or ten. It's not a you're completely healthy or you're completely unhealthy. It is this thing that exists on a scale. And so think of it in terms of none of us are 100% physically healthy. And none of us are 100% emotionally healthy or whole either. We, we could all benefit from help in this area. 
And so he was able to look at me and say, man, you know, obviously like you've had some struggles. You're still valuable in the eyes of God. You have some imperfect situations that you've walked through. Some of those are your doing. Some of those are not your doing. Those don't change your value before your heavenly father. They don't change the call that you have upon your life. They don't change the destiny that he's foreordained for you from before time began. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. So you get that. Some of those situations are you're doing. Some of those situations are others doing. At this point, you have the responsibility to step forward and to shore up that health on par to match as much as possible the infinite value, the eternal significance that you have already without earning it. You have it. You possess it before your heavenly father. And so here's what I invite you to is, as you listen in, I invite you into that conversation um, to maybe play that out in your own mind, to explore what that means for you, to say that, again, life is beautiful, life is also hard, you are 100% worthy because of who God has made you, period, end of story. And there's some imperfect situations that we're all going through. And because of that, we all carry some hurts and pains of the past. And we can find healing from those and begin living out the identity that we have. Do you see? My prayer for you, we'll continue the conversation in the next episode is that the Lord would bless you, who'd keep you. He would be gracious. He would shine favor upon you that just now says, child, no matter how young, old you are, you are valuable. You are worthy. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are mine. You carry significance far more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Yeah, there's been some hurt, some pains of the past. May the Lord heal them. And may you walk in wholeness and freedom, grace and peace. I will see you again soon.